The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It's been interesting so far. Uh, It has been an interesting morning. Um, If it weren't for the uh, amazing amount of swearing I accomplished in our pre-show, I'd say we should... Say could we were uh, we we could record that and uh, add it in, but um, most people don't want to hear that. Um, not to mention <laughs> the number of times I wander out of the room and have to wander back because I forgot something. That's all right. So it gives it it gives it like this fancy sound effect, like we can have you being far away and then really close, you know. <laughs> But yes, the the pre-show would actually be entertaining to some. <laughs> yes, those who those who tend to watch uh, videos of people getting hit uh, between the legs on a regular basis would would love it. Also, maybe the pimple poppers people and hoarders fans. All right, but we got some actual hockey to talk about. I think uh, we have perspective hockey to talk about. I, I think is. Maybe the best way to term it. Okay. Um, potential, planned, uh, slightly more than theoretical, not quite act, uh, not quite actualized. Well, it depends on where you'd like to start. Based on um, pre-show, based on the pre-show, you wanted to start with something silly and theor- and theoretical. Yes. Why don't we yes. start with the silly and theoretical? Because uh, as far as actual hockey goes and not hockey players commenting on the world, uh, which we will probably get to before the end of the show. Um, very, very, very briefly. Um, yeah. I mean, fascinating article on a ridiculous idea. That's fun. Anyways, (laughs) I signed up for, I I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, the athletic always has links when you go into, you know, look for things and, and click on news and in, in Google and all these stories come up and they're the athletic and you can read like a thing. And so finally one of them said three months free. So I said, okay, three months might be worth it to give it a try. And I seem to be finding some interesting articles. And as we found out this morning, and, and, and this is why we do a pre-show, literally found this article this morning and it's titled uh oh wait what if the 24 playoff teams could each draft a player from the eliminated clubs now sean mcindoe wrote the article and it's very entertaining and as he says here it started as a question from a reader uh the players it's not a permanent draft pick it's just a loner one that would join a contender for the rest of whatever the season looks like, then return to his original team for next year and beyond. Uh, would the NHL ever do this? Of course not. <laughs> and Permanent. there's so many reasons why that we will not go into it. Uh, if you want to discuss it, absolutely hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm usually about, even though I'm not tweeting much since there's not many games being played. Um, so, But the- yes, very simple rules to this draft. Each of the 24 postseason teams can draft one player from any of the seven other teams just for this playoff run. Cap hits don't count. All no movement clauses are waived. Drafting in reverse order of points percentage. And you have to set aside any cognitive dissonance over how none of this could ever actually happen. 
<laughs> this makes no sense. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, Chris. As much as I want to talk about this article, go through and pick three, and let's find three picks that you actually like. Ah. Uh, okay, at number three, the Arizona Coyotes took Anze Kopitar. Looking for a number one center since Roenick left town. Uh, it's a, a noticeable matchups against every other Western Conference team. Uh, this is this is a good a good pick. They need a number one center, somebody who can put the puck in the net, score goals. He plays on all aspects. Coyotes, according to this, would have also looked at Dylan Larkin. But Kopitar is a big two-way center who's still productive, has oodles of postseason experience, and th- this is not a mistake here. I like this one. Uh, okay. Running through some of the other ones, Calgary Flames. This one might be more for entertainment purposes than. But I, but I see it as honestly, I see this pick being perfect for a play reason as well, particularly mm-hmm. if, you know, the obvious uh, line is made. Um, but go ahead. At number seven, the Calgary Flames <clears throat> would take Brady Kachuk from the Senators. Uh, uh, now, the, the, the writer and the way this works is some of the other writers are acting as GMs for this article. Yes. So Scott Kruikshank he says, of course, there is a temptation to snare Drew Doughty. <laughs> and if you don't find that entertaining, <laughs> you need that to would check be <laughs> the best locker room uh, audio ever. Like <laughs> Drew Doughty being told he was drafted and Drew Doughty actually walking into the locker room. Um, I I would literally pay for the NHL network for five years to watch that once. As it says here, Matthew, the thrill of plopping him in the Flames dressing room somewhere near Matthew Kachuk would have been substantial because, well, who knows what would have happened. Perhaps Derek Forbort, Doughty's former partner and Kachuk's current teammate would have to referee. But the reason why I like this pick is clearly this, the Calgary Flames have a solid team. They have solid defense, oh, solid, but they were struggling this season for goal scoring. It, it seems like it was down compared to last year. Uh, Lindholm's, Lindholm's points seemed to be, and granted, he had 90 some odd points last year. I mean, he, he was a force and he wasn't going to have, have that the remainder of his career, but he just doesn't seem to be on the same pace. They seem to be struggling with goal scoring. Uh, they could have gone with a goaltender here from somewhere would have made sense as well. Cause I don't know about either one of the two that they have. Cam Talbot might have more playoff experience than, than, uh, uh, the Ricky, whatever David Ridden. Yeah. But, but for goal scoring purposes and for the wow factor and the fact that Brady Kachuk is, is about as physical as Matthew. I think Brady going here is actually and a good pick. And that's one of the things that I would love. Obviously, you can put the two, if you put the two of them together, you probably have the best pair of power wingers since you had uh, 
Lucic and Horton playing together in that Stanley Cup run. I mean, you're talking about two big, fast guys with chemistry, youth, and absolutely no fear. <laughs> I, I just it would be if they were playing well together, I don't know who the center who you're going to put at center between them, and I can't say I care at the moment. Um, just the raw passion on the ice. Uh, if you couldn't get behind that, you don't like hockey. Um, badminton is, you know, three doors down the hall. And as much as I hate to say it, there are, there are two other deep one, deeper picks that I like. And if I had to choose one over the other, uh, all right, just say real quick at 17 Vegas golden Knights, take Timo Meyer. I actually like that. I mean, Timo Meyer is a fairly solid two-way play, player. He's been struggling this season as well. I think a change of pace would actually do him pretty good. And if you put him on a line with Alex Tuck, you could have a very solid third third line because they're both physical. But I, I think the third, I think my other favorite would have to be at 23. And the fact that this kid fell this far is a little surprising. Uh, St. Louis Blues at 23 get Rasmus Dahlin. Um, okay, I guess I mean, the defense, do they need more defense? I like Rasmus Dallin. Um, for Vancouver, yeah, I I think that's a smart pick. For St. Louis or for Vancouver? For St. Louis. uh, St. Louis, yeah. Yeah. They've already got, I mean, they've got a solid defense. They got Justin Falk, you got Alex Petrangelo, you got Colton Pareko. Uh, but they did lose, and, and I'm not saying that Darlene is anywhere near what Bo Meester is or was, but you did lose a solid playoff experienced defenseman in Jay Bo Meester. This is true. So filling uh, the role with – I don't – Darlene doesn't have the playoff experience, but Darlene's going to bring some – He's going to, yes, he's going to bring that to the ice. So I like that pick here at 23. Okay. For me, yeah, my favorite pick, slightly surprising given the team, mm-hmm. but my favorite pick is Mark Edward Vlasic uh, to the Rangers. I think a couple of teams could have used him more. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is a huge professional compliment. Um, He's not a guy that gets talked about anywhere near enough. He is one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. You and and he has been for a decade. For a decade. Um, there's there's just not much more you can say about that. There's a couple of picks in here that I just don't get. And we're not even going to talk necessarily about the number two pick. Um Can we can we we talk about the number eleven pick? um, Or laugh about it? (laughs) Um, Let's see. As far as the other picks that I like, uh, there's not. It's not surprising that there's a decent amount of overlap. I'm kind of surprised that there were so many um, Red Wings taken um, because I just think the group is lackluster overall and. I like the 16 pick 
except that I really think that that, that Jeff Skinner should have gone elsewhere. Um, this article has Jeff Skinner returning to Carolina because NHL fans and people in the NHL constellation seem to love player going home stories. Um, I'm not sure he's exactly the right fit, but I can't necessarily say that it's a wrong pick, but it's very entertaining. And number 18, just, I find baffling. Um, <laughs> what? Vincent I, I don't doesn't know what play to say about 21. <laughs> I really don't know what to say about it. Um, 21, wait a minute. 21 would be... Uh, oh, Silverberg to the Lightning because they need more forwards and more goal scoring down there. Um, and since I can't find any other picks that I really, really like um, <laughs> that you hadn't already talked about, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the biggest snub of this miniature. Oh, wait, I want to laugh about pick number 11 because we Go all love we all love the Toronto Maple Leafs so much, and we talked about this in the pre-show. And before I even showed you the article, you said, "Well, they picked a forward," and I said, "Well, it wouldn't it would make sense that they should pick a defenseman, but we all know how Toronto technically loads speaking. loads defensemen or seem to. I mean, they did trade for Jake Muzzin, but maybe they have a policy of they're only allowed to have one Useful. good defenseman on the team at a time. I don't know, so." But they kind of answered both of us by drafting Brent Burns. <laughs> Who has played a lot of right wing, so I was not actually wrong. <laughs> but he's listed as a defenseman, so I was not wrong either. <laughs> the question uh, yeah, is, does he do either one of them well? Uh, as a right wing, he's not necessarily terrible as a defenseman. Um, he can be moved to actually play the position nearly well, uh, at least two or three times a calendar year. I just, and and by that, I mean two or three shifts per (laughs) calendar year. I'm sorry, Toronto. I don't know who, I don't know who they have to, who you have to pay in Toronto to get them and what it would cost to, to get them to actually draft a, a defenseman, a useful defenseman. A, yeah. Useful defenseman. There we go. Uh, um, I'm trying the, to remember I the guess, last time we saw one, Dion Phaneuf. And he, he, <laughs> how many, that, that was what, almost 20 years ago. But that's what I'm getting at. Who else did they have? I mean, Jake Gardner, maybe. Okay, the other, other, <laughs> other, other pick that I actually like, uh-huh. and I think that a lot of people will be surprised that he was taken this this high, and you're all in need of paying more attention to our show and this gentleman's current <laughs> team. Mm-hmm. At number five, Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, I don't think that he's getting quite the... Uh, true hockey fans who have seen him play on the U on the U S national team, uh, saw him play as a youngster. Uh, no, but he's not, maybe it's because he's in Ottawa. I don't know, but he's, yes. he doesn't seem to get the, 
the pomp and circumstance that he should. He is a very talented young defenseman. Uh, and it, it, if you want, if you want a breakdown of why I like this guy so much, it's it's not necessarily about flash. It's not necessarily about his speed or his number of shots per game. I will simply uh, I will simply sum it up in three words. Ready to write them down? Pencil in hand. He owns shifts. He gets on the ice. He controls his area of the ice until he gets off. That simple. He owns shifts. Now the thing is, he's going to he's going to Winnipeg, where everybody's going to say, "Well, he's replacing Dustin Bufflin." No, he's not going to replace Dustin Bufflin. He may be taking the defense the the defense spot previously occupied. But he is not a replacement for because, no, he's not 260 pounds or, or whatever Bufflin is. He's not that, going to manhandle. That number might actually start with a three. But they lost – remember, they lost four defensemen in the offseason last year yeah. out of their top six. Uh, the you, fact lost, that, you lost Truba. You lost Bufflin due to whatever argument you want to make. Yes. Uh, the only one you kept was Josh Morrissey. And that was barely. And and that was yeah. Wasn't he a, a very late late preseason signing or something like that? Yeah. So yeah, adding somebody. I mean, Winnipeg Jets should probably make a run at him in real life and see if they can add him. I, I don't think you're going to get him away from Ottawa, but uh, not easily. <laughs> and and Winnipeg has done a decent job getting getting their defense back in order. I mean, when they got Neil Pionk and in they return the for Trouba. after losing four defensemen for mm. their top six defensemen. And they still qualify for the playoffs. Unlike say, I don't know the three California teams that, mm, well, they, they should be well rested whenever the next season starts. They should be, yeah. California teams are going to be well rested. Um, okay. The biggest snub. Now, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get you the away. The biggest from snub, and I can't imagine. I given think we teams, agree on this one. Given the team's attitude, mm-hmm. um, the 24th team not taking him, even with the past uh, static between Zdeno Chara and this uh, younger forward. Um, they should have taken him. How in the bleep, 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 was Evander Kane not taken? How? 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 Somewhere in the comments section of the article, the comments, someone brings up the fact that Evander Kane was not taken. But it was two thirds of the way down the comments section. It wasn't like literally it was... hundreds, of, like h- hundreds of comments in. Uh huh. And before you, before you get in, before you raise the question, listeners, yes, one of the San Jose Sharks writers has contributed to this article. Um, I can't imagine the Bruins not taking him if he's still available. I really can't. 
Um, his he's a perfect, first of all, he's a perfect Bruin. He's he, he can score goals, but he's also physical. Goes in the corners. He's not afraid of contact. He kills this, penalties. It, this is a guy who would fit in a, in real life in a Bruin. I'm surprised he's not a Bruin. I've always been surprised. How did we not get him when – I mean, I understand Buffalo not trading within – In the division. Within the division. Yep. But how do we not find a way to get this guy in a Bruins uniform? He He's a, clearly a Bruins-style player. <laughs> I do not get it, and I'm sure if someone explains it to me, I will laugh in their face. Um, but holy shimoli – why? Like, there are not 24 better players outside the playoffs this year. There are not 24 healthy players outside the playoffs than Evander Kane. Well, Jonathan Wills, who uh, I'm no. guessing is the is the writer for whomever, uh, he was the one who was picking for one of the teams and says that he would he would have considered uh, him or Ricard Raquel or Sam Reinhardt. And I'm like, OK, you're lumping Evander Kane in with Sam Reinhardt and Ricard Raquel. Uh, no disrespect to the other two. But um, bleep, please. <laughs> uh, Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? is wrong with you they get into defending the choice the the article contributors and the athletic contributors what did you think of their defense of not picking evander kane oh well their defense was and and jonathan willis uh, jonathan willis he took he was picking for edmonton uh ended up taking kyle palmieri by the way from the devils um, but he was defending it by saying that he couldn't pick him because he draws way too many penalties. And, uh, apparently Kyle Palmieri drew more, uh, drew Thanks. more penalties, yeah. more power plays for his team. Whereas at 17, whereas Evander Kane, uh, took more 30 more penalties than he did. But, if you look at the numbers and dive deeper into them, when he gets to the playoffs, he doesn't draw the penalties. And we're talking playoffs here. So your argument doesn't work. But that was his reason for not taking him was that he draws too many penalties. Yes. Four or takes minor penalties. penalties. Four minor penalties in 29 playoff games is apparently a reason not to take arguably the most talented forward available. Oh, by the way, he scores shorthanded goals. Yeah, he's he's played he played consistently on the power or on the penalty kill. He uh, where was his first second. team? And he his first team. Yeah, he originally played in what Winnipeg, and then he went yes. to Buffalo. Oh no, actually, it was Atlanta, then Winnipeg, then Buffalo. Well, Atlanta, Atlanta became Winnipeg. <laughs> Same team. <laughs> but. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm beyond boggled at that one. Yeah, I'm not understanding it. it. This is a guy who plays all phases of the game and does it well because he plays 
he plays second unit power play, sometimes first unit power play. He plays penalty kill. Uh, again, not a friend. And he takes faceoffs. He's not a centerman. He's a winger. But when they have to rotate out for, you know, centerman gets thrown out, he's the one that rotates in. So he's taking faceoffs. He does it all on the ice, and he's not afraid to mix it up a bit. Yes, he's done some questionable things, which when you go back and look at them, sometimes they're not as bad, but it's reputation calls and crap that go. Don't get me started on that. But, and how you don't give this guy. I am your sweater and say, join us for the playoffs. I mean, Jonathan Willis, I'm sorry, man. Where's your head at? I don't get it. <laughs> Literally. I find the excuse for taking Skinner or for sending Skinner back to the hurricanes more credible than the supposed penalties reason. Well, Sarah Sibian did say when she drafted, when she drafted Skinner, um, that, Let's be honest, the team is more stacked than it ever has been when he was a Kane, and now he's the perfect complement to the new look, new attitude team. It's almost completely different than it was. I mean, the main reason to re-inviting him was some people just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> now, that comment is utterly fascinating when you look at it, because while they were looking to rebuild, we never pre- particularly heard how it was that uh, Jeff Skinner got uh, um, promoted to fan. Um, I mean, let's face it. If you're the biggest star on a team and you haven't asked for a trade, uh, you're being promoted to fan or as uh, several retail people I know uh, used to say, uh, being promoted to customer uh, or, you know, fired. Um, I, uh, I have to wonder if there was more going on than just wanting to refresh and get as many picks as possible picks and prospects. Yeah, I don't know. I, in, in real life, I don't know what the, why he was moved from from the comments. Some people just want to work, watch the world burn. Mm hmm. Is that it? Does she know something about his relationship or behavior uh, with the organization and or uh, the city itself um, while he was a a hurricane? Because that's uh, <clears throat> slightly implied there. Slightly. Yeah. That's all right. I had the same reaction as a fan with this because uh, it says there's been a lack of depth scoring in the Hurricanes' worst stretches this season. And Skinner is an automatic fit alongside Vincent Trocek and Martin Nietzsche. Not to mention Skinner's first playoff appearance finally happening where it all began would be a feel-good playoff storyline. My first thought when I read this whole thing was, my God, Vincent Trocek is a Carolina Hurricane? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> Clearly it happened at the deadline and I could forgot because that's how important it was. <laughs> and when I was reading the comments to find Evander Kane stuff, somebody else said the same thing. Oh my God, Vincent Trocek's a hurricane. <laughs> so clearly it wasn't just me. I knew Trocek had been traded. I 
completely forgot where because, well, let's just let's face it, he's that relevant to a team's success. He was relevant to Florida's success last season. Uh, so, what round of the playoffs did they uh, go out in? I believe they ended up missing out on the playoffs on the last day against the uh, Boston Bruins. So they didn't really have any success. True, but they're having worse success this year with a more expensive goaltender. So, but we're not getting into the Florida Panthers right now. <laughs> uh, nope, I guess we are not. Um, any other, anything else we want uh, out of this article? Yeah, the Penguins don't like rough and tumble players yet. At 18, they drafted Dustin Brown. Just throwing that out there. Uh, and <laughs> that, that one, uh, like, if we're going to pick someone from the panel from for the Penguins, there, that's not an actually useful defensive-minded defenseman, which would be as rare as you know Toronto doing the same. Um, possibly more rare. At least, you know, pick someone who's not going to be in the <clears throat> bottom third of your team for speed. Yeah, I like Dustin Brown, but I like Dustin yeah. Brown a lot. I mean, the Kings he's, are probably putting his jersey up in his in their rafters when he's when he hangs it up. Yeah, but he's going to slow. It. I mean, I think that the Penguins are. are pleased with their speed on the ice and I unfortunately Dustin Brown is not going to do anything to help that uh, I would have to uh, say no no he's not <laughs> and by the way wouldn't it have made more sense for them to get a- another team that um, maybe a defenseman might be something to consider I don't know eh. <laughs> The I'm, Penguins I'm, are still playing 80s hockey, so... I'm blaspheming. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's not going to happen. I'm blaspheming. Penguins? Defense? What? <laughs> you might as well ask, I don't know... Uh, you might it's as well me. ask Hank to uh, only play uh, to only play one in 15 games. Oh, okay. And be happy about it. Yeah. There was one goaltender, and just to put this in a nice little bow, there was actually one goaltender taking taken in this draft. It was not all about forwards and defense. At number four, the Minnesota Wild chose to take John Gibson from the Anaheim Ducks. I can live with that. Um, particularly- Interesting considering Dubnik. The thing is, Dubnik was hurt this year. Alex Daylock, who's been a career backup, but actually took over the number one job because Devin Dubnik was hurt. And then when he came back, he was struggling and then he was struggling and then he was hurt and then he was struggling. Uh, you need a goaltender that you can rely on. And John Gibson, as far as the seven teams that are not making the playoffs, John Gibson is probably the best goaltender available. But Martin Jonathan Jones. Quick? No, Jonathan quick. And I said it pre-show and I will defend it. Jonathan quick. Yes, he's older. He's been hurt recently. But if you're just looking for a goalie who, you know, gets hot during the playoff, I mean, for a short period of time, Jonathan Quick can get that form back and be. But I think more reliably so, I think you have to go with Gibson. Uh, 
honestly, I, I think if I think part of getting that magic back would be in the bluntest terms, uh, having a defense that he can actually count on. And in Minnesota, would he not have that? He would. He would have that. Um, I'm not saying and, the best defense ever, but uh, I think right now at this point in time, they're more reliable than Drew Doughty and the backup singers. Uh, yeah, because you go back and look at the roster for those uh, those cup wins. They had a really good defense. Yes, they were big and physical up front. Well, yeah, you had Drew Doughty, you had Alec Martinez, you had Alex Martinez, excuse me, you had Jake Muzzin, you had um, uh, think, 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 think for the second one. I think, I think Braden McNabb was there for the second cup, not for the first one. Uh, but you, uh, you had, you were, you were a four or five deep team that year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Slava Voinov. Who I regardless was, of, I was going to refer to him uh, by something slightly less uh, savory. I just uh, referred to him as his name. I mean, yes, off the ice, the man is a complete tool, but on the ice, he had talent as an offensive. He was solid to very good defenseman on the ice. Unfortunately, off the ice counts more, and he's a complete tool. So, And that's as much as I'm going to say about that. Okay, on to just, our... Yes, back then, you're right. He had the defense in front of him, and it allowed him... It allowed Jonathan Quick to be Jonathan Quick. So, yes, a defense would be... You got to go Gibson here, is what I'm saying. I like Quick, but you got to go Gibson. So, the one goaltender taken, good spot to take him. I can live with that. Uh, so, let's see. Closer to home... Um, the Boston Bruins uh, suffered a defection uh, recently. No. Uh, via the black and gold, uh, uh, black and gold hockey, um, Boston Bruins or former Boston Bruins prospect Peter Solarik uh, has left and signed with the Swiss League. Um, in hockey parlance, his comments upon leaving have been termed shots. Uh, fired at the uh, head coach. Um, I don't necessarily think there's anything inflammatory or untrue in his comments. Um, But I also know that he wasn't producing. He basically said that, you know, he was told multiple times that he was ready for the NHL. Um, He's play. He's, he's got any, he's got ice time with the bro. I mean, What's he got? Forty. Uh, yes, he's got forty NHL games. Uh, Eleven points. Hey, that puts him in range with Rick Nash. Who? Yeah. Okay. Now next. So he signed with HC Lugano. Yes, but what he said is, you know, I don't feel the coach trusted me. I feel like he was only waiting for me to make a mistake so we could send me back to the farm. Not untrue. It's weird. No, it's weird because Chilarik played in the farm for his current head coach, for who's now the Bruins' current head coach, uh, Mr. Bruce Cassidy. So Cassidy should know what Chilarik, what his game is like, how, you know, 
good, bad, what his positives and what his pluses and minuses are. Uh, it does that give him free reign to be a little bit more um, criticizing of, of Chilaric? I don't know, but it, yeah, it says that he was highly critical of Bruce. But Bruce knows Bruce has seen you your whole career. I mean, it's not like you just stepped in and one day he was there. I mean, you had him as your head coach in Providence. Mm-hmm. He knows what you're capable of and what you're not. And if you're not get, if you're not achieving what you're capable of, he's going to put you back down into the minors. I mean, you still have to perform. <laughs> I mean, yes. So is this a case? Is this a case of a guy who's simply a supreme, like, 4A player? Um, or is this so, – there was some sort of falling out between uh, Solaric and Cassidy? Or maybe Solaric, you know, thought that as soon as he put on a NHL jersey, um, he was – he didn't really have to do much more. I mean – The only questions the – only, the, the one question that I always have when they bring a player up – and I felt like they did it with with Spooner until well he moved on and he's still eh. So, but when you bring when Peter Jalaric is in Providence, is he playing as a top line forward or is he a third line forward? Because when they bring him up to the NHL, he's playing like third or fourth line. Uh, you know, clearly he's he doesn't have the chemistry with the NHL team that he does with the AHL team. This is true, and that's that's going to be a factor for just about everyone. Right. But it, it, it mentally, because uh, sports is 90% mental and 100% physical and all that stuff. Um, uh, don't forget 80% showing up. Oh, yes, and 80% showing up. Uh, but if you're used to being on the top line. Playing, yeah, 20 minutes getting, a night or 17 minutes a night. And then you get brought up to the NHL club and you're playing five minutes a night. There is going to be some letdown. It, it it would take uber strong mental ability to tell yourself, oh, this isn't going to happen every night. I just got to put up with it. I got to make the best of my five minutes on the ice. But you're used to having 20 minutes on the ice to show what you can do. Yeah. I don't know. Is this a case of of, uh, Cassidy saying one thing, Chilaric saying the other, both of them being right and both of them being wrong at the same time? Honestly, it feels because for me, when I watched him play, I never I never saw star potential. Okay. I I don't think that he's awful i don't i I, we've seen guys who i still wonder how they ever made it to the nhl even once for one game and one shift and i don't put him in that category but the thing is not Uh, everybody on the team is is a star if you have a team of all stars you're never going to fit under the salary cap for one thing uh certainly not for more than one or two seasons no and you're probably Um, not going to fit their egos into a locker room not everybody I mean, for, can be the star or a star. I mean, you have to have the grunts. 
for points per game, anyone who played more than 10 uh, games uh, for Providence this year, uh, it's basically him and Jack uh, Stadnika leading the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brendan Gantz, who we've seen at the NHL a little bit uh, behind them. Um, before you get into a couple of guys who I honestly didn't know were on the Bruins roster, like uh, <laughs> Paul Perry and Robert Lantosi. I don't know that last name. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I don't know that last name. Lan- Lantosi? L-A-N-T-O-S-I. Yeah, no idea. I mean, at .77 points per game in the AHL, yes, you, you really do belong at the NHL level. Um, but we're going to have to maybe, – maybe he's right he do, and he just needs a fresh start elsewhere. If he goes to the Swiss League for a year or two, comes back to the NHL in the future, maybe he lands in another franchise – and gets uh, gets more ice time and more confidence from the head coach. Um, Did he hurt himself going overseas? I mean, I don't think could so. he not could he not have gotten interest from another NHL club? But we don't. Th- that's the thing. We don't know when the NHL is going to start uh, ne- this season, much less next season. Most of Europe is already opening back up. Um, Guys there have been able to skate, um, to get skating already. And, uh, you know, the first couple of states here in uh, the U.S. Uh, are just allowing uh, allowing that to happen. Uh, governor Baker uh, in Massachusetts and then uh, New York's governor both uh, are both allowing uh, pro teams to have small teams practices uh, at their facilities. Um, so yeah, I mean, our current speculation on that 24 in, uh, playoff, uh, with, you know, the round Robin and everything is, it's nice. Uh, but you know, if you're starting in August and you somehow managed to cram the round Robin and that very first, you know, five game series, uh, for the other guys, uh, into, two short months, you know, compressed schedule since there's no travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still looking at, you're still looking at ending at the earliest, the end of September. How, how much turnaround time are you going to have before, before the start of the next season? December. It, it may well be. And I mean, no, and that's still giving, and that's again giving up a lot of revenue because Thanksgiving, uh, I mean the Black Friday game here in uh, here in the U.S. That's a, that's a pretty solid draw. Um, my yeah, my my issue with all of that is even if you even if you finish in September and you start up in December, a is that enough time for the 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 final the two teams in the final. I mean, usually you finish in June, you start, you have development camps, but that doesn't involve the players who just played. Uh, training camp doesn't start until September. The official season doesn't start until October. Uh, so you're talking July, August, September. You're talking like three months. 
just for the two teams that played in the final. Does it make sense? I mean, do you start up in January and play another half season? See, and, I, and that's all questions to kick down the road, I understand. but Oh, God, that's all way down the road. I think they're going to have to go with a more compressed schedule like they did the Olympics year. Um, it's going to oh, mean God, a playing lot Playing three, injuries. four games in a week? Yeah. You, be, you better have the uh, a, your AHL affiliate on speed dial. <laughs> Push to talk. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll bring back the old... Uh, the original sprint push to talk, but uh, cell phones. Um, get them on a bus. Oh wait, no, get the other one on the bus too. Oh wait. No. Um, wait but w- here's okay. a thought. We're just we'll just merge the two leagues for one season. Uh, that honestly isn't the worst idea. <laughs> there are so there are many ideas that aren't the worst idea, but <laughs> I'm not saying it's the Best idea, but it's not the worst idea. Uh, it might it, it might actually help out financially if you have both the AHL and, and NHL playing it playing together. <laughs> that 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 revenue, but then then we'd have to have league meetings to find out how to share the extra revenue, and that could take a while. So. Again, kicking the can down the road. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the new playoff format. Oh, and goodness. let's talk about. I knew this was coming. I knew. There's things that I like about it. So uh-huh. There's things that I really dislike about it. Uh-huh. Um, Dayton Chara actually spoke up about it and about how the top four teams in both divisions are going to be repli- required to play a round robin um, in order Cam- to determine their seating. He doesn't really think it's that big of a deal. Cam Neely spoke out about it, too, and he's really not happy. So, <laughs> Well, anyone who expected Cam to be happy about that is uh, completely <laughs> unfamiliar with the man. Um, everyone talks about how how uh, competitive Wayne Gretzky always has been. Michael Jordan has been Mm -hmm. this dude's in their league and way angrier. (laughs) I mean, you watch him in the press box and I legitimately wonder how often they have to replace, replace the drywall in, um, in the, uh, in their suite because there's, you're not going to tell me he hasn't, something through a wall every once in a while. Cam, he would never do that. Uh Uh-huh. Never, never, never. Cam is too nice. Too nice a guy. You can tell me, but I'm not going to believe you. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sometimes I wonder who, who gets to be the heavy when things aren't going the way they're supposed to. Did you see Bruce in the locker room going, don't make me get Cam down here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I, yeah, but what, okay. So what do you like about this format? Uh, I like the fact that we're going to have hockey again. (laughs) Yeah. Does that say anything? 
you're not yes, reading in, a lot. you're not you're not reading into that are you no <laughs> I, I don't know how to do that i don't know um, i think, i think i like the whole concept of i think i like the whole concept of having uh, the round robin proceeding only because there were still 12 uh, 10 to 12 games depending on which team you are there were still games remaining at the end of the regular season and while you sit there and make an argument as to how much movement there's going to be there are teams there are teams that would have moved up or down one slot i mean there were some competitive divisions and and it, it is a possible a possibility that a team that was gonna finish second could have bumped down the third or, or could have slipped into the the first wild card seat so having those top eight teams play in a round robin in a way kind of gives it a nice little bow saying okay we ended the regular season but we understand that it really didn't finish it ends so where I, it ends. So I kind of like the round robin thing. Plus, the other thing is that it actually gets, rather than having them all sit in some kind of buy while they figure out the bottom sixteen, and you know, bought, and getting them down to an eight, those top those top eight teams were going to be sitting there. This way, they get competitive gaming while the the actual sorting out which is being done by the fact that you've added teams to the mix and 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 it, getting yourself back down to that 16 team so i like the fact that they have the round robin it's got the teams playing competitive hockey that way when you get into the meat of the playoffs the top 16 teams and you're getting into actual seven round series the seven game series in each round i it, Everybody's going to be have played some competitive hockey. It's not like the top teams sat around and and just practiced because, as any player will tell you, practice is not the same as game speed. There's other ways to do it. Um, like for instance, yes, if you really want those guys actually playing hockey, and you want to involve the whole league, which there's some really strong arguments for. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already mentioned that I'm not a particular fan of the draft lottery as it currently exists. We haven't uh, we haven't got to the draft lottery yet, but uh, oh, we did talk about it last week. But um, yeah, but now we actually we have an actual plan of what they're how they're going to run it. Um, but you could have put the team the non playoff teams in and you know say those bottom seven teams um uh, take those bottom seven teams Mm -hmm. and put a put a series of or put a number of entries into the draft lottery up for grabs on each game you know, you win, you get a bunch in there. Your margin of loss is more than three goals. Um, you get you get balls taken away. Um, and that way, those teams have a real legitimate reason to play hard. And quite frankly, they're not playing at all. They're, those seven teams as are I said, eliminated. If, if they were going to involve all teams, 
I would have done it differently because I think that leaving seven teams out uh, when you're already playing an additional playoff round um, is mm, iffy. I'm no, not saying, mommy, it's not no, no, fair. Not, Everybody else gets to play. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they get to play playoff games, but purely for the draft lottery, those bottom teams would play the top teams um, to keep the top teams doing something. So and the bottom teams just finishing awake, the regular season, which is what I would have done anyways. But Hey, that's me. Well, and then we wouldn't that. have, then we wouldn't have this silly, silly draft, but I hate, but I, the, the, the key is to eliminate the lottery draft as basically points for sucking. And, and, to avoid and it currently at the is same now. Time. And and to and to keep teams from tanking. But that's the whole point of the draft lottery is to keep teams from tanking. Mm, but does it? I didn't say it works. I just said that that's the whole point of it. It and certainly does not work in my opinion because. Detroit still tanks. I mean, the problem, the, the thing is, yes, you get a percentage of the vote. You get a percentage of, of certain percentage of the ping pong balls goes your way. If you finish worst, slightly less, if you finish second worst, I get all that, but it doesn't prevent the tanking because now you're playing to get the most ping pong balls. And but, statistically it gives you a the, better chance. Yes. But that's why I like my method better. In those last, in that play for, or play to win, you're getting a better chance if you win, and you still have a reasonably competitive team. If you plan on doing that all the time, okay, I can see. If you're just doing it for this year because of the unique circumstances revenue. that we're in, revenue. It, it, it comes back to revenue. Though a lot, some of those teams are in market, or some of those teams are in places where they loss of five to seven remaining games is a big deal. Buffalo? Is it that big a deal in Detroit? Mm, probably not. Really? Um, Detroit. Detroit. Detroit from a overall just market is not as big as New York. I get it, but Detroit as a hockey market. Yeah, regional six team as a franchise, they a have deep pockets and a long history of fans. They're going to keep selling tickets even with three or four bad seasons in a row. Okay. Uh, New Jersey has been financially uncertain for a lot of its time. And I forget how many owners they've now had. Um, The three California teams, I mean, two of the three have won Stanley Cups. Um, we won't mention who the other one is. Um, <laughs> San Jose. But uh, it's it's still, I think, that there, there was a way and a potential to involve all 31 teams um, and have it mean something. And yes, I really... That would be finishing like, the regular season. I really dislike the draft lottery. 
oh, this whole draft lottery thing is weird because they're they're doing two separate phases of the draft lottery. Go phase for it. one, phase one, and this is the more interesting part. Phase one of the draft lottery conducted to the qualifying round. Can, prior to the qualifying round, Mike, I apologize. Uh, three draws: first overall pick, second overall pick, and third. Uh, the seven teams that are not in the playoffs as it stands now are have their their their, their ping pong balls, uh, along with eight other teams uh, who are as yet undetermined. Then they have a second. Uh, if all three draws are won by teams in the one to seven group, and if any of the draws are won by the teams in the eight to fifteen group, uh, then they have a phase two, which is going to be conducted between the qualifying round and the first round. So we don't know how the whole thing plays out after the first time, and. I, it, I'm more confused about this than I am about uh, trying to follow a it's recipe for ratatouille or something. It, it, I, they say that this isn't rocket science, but I think rocket science might be a little easier. Rocket science has to make sense. Otherwise, things go boom. Well, yeah, there's that, too. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out, I, it, to be quite honest. I saw this when they announced it. Was it la- during beginning of the week or whatever it was? Yeah, I saw and it. I I'm looked still at it trying and to I figure went, it out. Uh, y'all have been locked up too long. Well, that's a possibility too. Or are you talking about the guys who developed this? The guys who developed it. Oh my hey, god! Too much time on your hands, people. Yeah. Way too much time and. Um, Harkening back to that uh, 2011 reunion uh, video, possibly some fun chemicals. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, if the winning team of the first draw is from the 1-7 to seven group, that team wins the right to the first overall pick. If the winning team of the first draw is from the 8-15 to 15 group, the right to the first overall pick will be determined in Phase 2. So if somebody in this Team A, B to Team H... The, the the second half, the teams that are eliminated from the qualifying round this wins, then you don't actually know who the first pick is. The only way we'll know who the first pick is is if it's one of the teams from the first seven. Who are the guys? draft lottery plan essentially needs, like, I don't know, Fox viewing positions, uh, a kitchen sink, and astrological signs to be... Uh, don't complete for, nonsense. Don't forget an abacus. Uh, no, no, no. An abacus might actually solve something. Uh, I'm not sure this does. Oh, okay. If you're going to have to explain something and take and the explanation is going to take longer than the actual thing itself. The thing is, I can't. I couldn't even explain this wrong. to somebody right now. Bingo. After the first draw, the winning team will no longer be eligible for the second or third draws. Okay, that makes sense. All number combinations originally assigned to this team will become... Wait, wait. There's padlocks involved? All number combinations? Three draw combinations? Too much time. 
the the remaining team's odds will increase on a proportionate basis for the second draw based on which team wins the first draw. And, and some of it makes complete sense. Like, okay, I get that because if you're taking them out, that means that the rest of the teams have a uh, increased chance proportionately based on how many ping pong balls I have in the thing. I get that, but this recombinate and, and if it's from the second group, we can't tell who the first pick in the draft is because it's not from the first group. And then you go to the second group and it, the second group, if you win that, you have the right to the second pick and the third. Oh God. Literally spin a wheel and, you're prob- <laughs> and just spin a wheel. You can borrow one. Vegas hasn't opened up yet. They all have they all have those big wheels. You could borrow one from like I don't know uh, Caesar's Palace or something. Or <laughs> spin a wheel, pick a name out of a hat. Um, hat send every send all. 31 general managers outside their um, outside their arena at the same time. Uh, the first one to capture a picture of someone wearing one of the one of their teams, uh, something with their team logo, who is not a team employee or a player, uh, gets the first pick done. It makes as much sense as what they're trying to sell. Yes. <laughs> And you can explain it in less than 30 seconds. Okay, I'll go. If you could explain it to me in less time than it takes for me to read War and Peace, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 I will be very as as we said as I said at the start of this. What do you like best? They're going to be playing hockey. And I, I really don't in any way, shape, or form disagree. Because, yeah, it's, it's convoluted. I understand. I mean, you go through it and you go, okay, phase one, the teams are practiced. Then in early June at phase two, oh, that's practice. Um, not earlier than the first half of July, they're going to have formal training camps. So you're talking phase If the four. third goal in a second period on a even-numbered day is scored by either a back foot snapshot <laughs> or a deflection off of the right hip of a left defenseman whose stick is currently above the ice, then this team... Stop. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the offside rule. <laughs> oh, sorry. Whoops. I just gave it away. Um <laughs> Teams will be limited to 50 personnel in the hub city. Wait, we don't know what the hub cities are yet. Um, <laughs> Vegas and Columbus are apparently leading uh, the leading really, the, um, pack. I was, somehow I don't think Gary Bettman's going to let the NHL slide by without having Pittsburgh be a host city. I don't Pittsburgh, know why I think Pittsburgh that. Pittsburgh doesn't really have – I mean – if you're talking uh, – so for the Eastern Conference, you're talking 12 teams. 12 yeah. times 50 is not they, a huge, huge number. I think but, Vegas has to be one. I think Vegas has to be a host city only because of the size. I mean you can put that many players into that many hotels. Oh, yeah. I mean it's 600 – for the Eastern Conference it, with with a limit of 50 personnel – 
Uh, so 25, 27 players, um, three coaches, four coaches, um, you know, training and support staff, another five people, um, ge- general manager. Um, yeah, that's actually a reasonable headcount because uh, it still allows you to throw in, you know, five to six replacement players. Okay, well, if you're gonna have if you're gonna have two hub cities, fifty yeah. players, twelve times five, twelve times fifty, six hundred. Yes. There you go. You have to you have to have rooms for six hundred people. Yeah, I mean that. I think that eliminates Pittsburgh, but that's just my call. You you could go to Madison, Wisconsin, and find rooms for six hundred people. Um, I just I don't know Gary Bettman and and Pittsburgh. I don't I did. I mentioned something last week, and I'm not bringing it up again. So, because thankfully I still have not gotten in trouble with the NHL. Maybe they haven't heard me. I don't know. <laughs> but I just uh, yeah, I think Vegas needs to be one. And I, can you use Toronto just for the fact that that's like where the Hockey Hall of Fame is? The I mean, you've no, got one. I think I think both cities have to be in the same country. Um, okay. Simply so you can eliminate the international travel um, and having to go through airport. Well, having to go sit, sit in customs if you go through an airport, or if more restrictions are added, having um, having the inability to have the team from one conference that emerges get to the other conference. Are we trying to keep the, uh, it doesn't seem to mention, are they timing insights will be determined in the future? That's great. Um, are they trying to keep these two sites close together to minimize travel time? I mean, what, what that, I don't think that matters because that you have to get all the way down to the Stanley cup final for that to matter. Um, honestly, a good place. Although at the end of the year, we're getting into hurricane season again. Uh, for the East, it might it might actually be Tampa Bay. Um, you've had a reasonable uh, Florida has had. Tampa's not on the Florida. list. I know it's not. But, <laughs> but they've had a, according to the numbers for the thing that we don't discuss, that uh, is the reason for the lockdown. They've had a good number. They've had a fairly low number of uh, of deaths and. It's not one of those cities where you're a hundred percent reliant on public transportation or the subway, like in uh, New York, which needs to not be on the list. Uh, just not. Um, New York is and, on the list. Um, I think that it, it might be a good fit. I mean, yes. Minneapolis, St. Paul. That's topic I didn't even want to talk about, but I'm not um, bringing it up for that topic. I'm bringing it up for if you're uh, going no. to a place, if you're trying to maintain. Unfortunately, Vegas is in a warm part of this warm part of the country. If you're going to be playing hockey in July and August, and I'm sure that people are going to want to knock me down and, and call me out for this, but when you have ice in the building and yes the buildings are insulated and all this stuff you still have to maintain the inside colder than the outside because unfortunately there's you know radiation you know the building absorbs the heat this that and everything else 
you have to find a way to keep the ice from melting, creating fog. Uh, so you have to people are going to get cold inside the buildings because they have to keep it colder than normal to keep the ice from turning into some sort of, uh, um, oh, I don't know, a lake or. Well, here's the thing. I, I suspect, especially for Vegas, since it's one of the newer facilities, if not, uh, that it's better designed to handle high temperature, high temperatures outside. And I understand that, yes, because it is a newer facility. They 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 already understood that they were building an ice rink in the middle the of a hundred degree desert. <laughs> um, and that's a hundred degrees in the shade on at like nine a.m. Yeah, I'm sure that the I'm sure the the Coyotes facility is the same way. They they understand where they're building these buildings, but some uh, of these older buildings in the that they're recommending Toronto is an older building as far as I know, unless they built a new one and I missed it. Uh, I'm not sure how new PPG arena is. Uh, PPG arena is only about five or six, uh, five or six years old. Um, but again, maybe I'm totally and completely crazy, but go back and watch some of the, yeah, I know I am, but you go back and watch some of the old footage and, and, games with Bruins against the Oilers and you can't see the ice for the fog because of the temperature outside affecting the ice conditions inside. Although given the way that we're, that the seasons are progressing right now, you could probably play games outside in Boston, (laughs) you know, in August, uh, and not have to worry too much. Really? Um, it's going to be in the 40s this week. Wait, this is June. Yes, it's going to be in the 40s this week. I have theories on why the temperatures are the way they are. I have theories. And we're not going to discuss those theories because that nope. would probably require swearing. They would um, also relate to other topics that we're not talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, actually, the best guess on those is all the volcanic activity in the last 18 months but um sure because there's a volcano right here in massachusetts uh volcanic ash travels Uh, to a point um (laughs) so we've covered the return to play um oh here's one we didn't uh get to yet Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so where do we want to actually go next? We have a story about Rick Nash, the awesome, awesome playoff performer that he was. Or we have a possible change in captains um, at some point uh, in Boston. That's and kind of, of that, that. That's one of those store. That's one of those stories that can only. Uh, that can only be true eventually. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like saying water is wet. Well, sometimes water is ice, but eventually it's going to be water again. You know, unfortunately in Boston, eventually Chara is not going to be captain because at some point he's going to retire. So that, we can, that's the rumor. We can dive into that one. I uh, we haven't seen we haven't seen any actual proof of that. I mean. 
the dude is still out there playing 20 minutes a night, uh, 20 plus minutes a night. Um, well, the other, the other thing with that dude is that he's, he's doing year to year contracts and yet he hasn't, well, the season hasn't ended yet. So I guess he doesn't really need to sign another contract, but it sounds to me the way they, the way he's talking and they, they, they're still interviewing him on Nesson and everything else. It, it, it sounds it like he's sound, around a little more. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere, at least for the next season or two, uh, is the impression I get. I I fully expect him to play at least two more seasons, um, which which does change the dynamic of, you know, who could be who could actually replace him. Um, so we, we know, have replacement captains for Zdeno Chara. We have potential replacement captains. For oh, Zdeno yes, Chara potential. Because there's always a chance that one or more of these guys is not around. Um, I mean, the most likely person to not be around who's a potential replacement is Tory Crew. His contract will expire at the end of this regular season, whenever it happens, or the end of this event, whenever it happens to be. Um, what makes what makes Tory Krug a good option for being captain, though? Uh, I mean, clearly, anybody who watches the Bruins, their first thought is going to be, "Well, it's got to be Patrice," and it makes sense. He's been around the longest. Patrice is already thirty-four. Mm-hmm. Which, well, not necessarily old for hockey. Patrice has a lot of miles on him. He was seventeen when he showed up for his first NHL camp uh, 17 years ago. Outside of any injury time, he's actually never been in the AHL as far as... Uh, well, he was in the AHL the year of the 2005 full loss season, but yes. Um, okay. I'm not counting. Most players, when they're drafted in the second round, don't jump to the NHL right off the beginning of the season. They usually start out in the AHL and then get promoted up at some point. Whether it's yes. due to somebody getting hurt or due to their fabulous play, whatever. But, but he's never yes. played. He, that didn't happen with him. He he's been with the big club since the day pretty much he was drafted. That's correct, and he's going to be. But he's going to be 35 before play resumes. Whether whether that's this season or they skip, they decide for whatever reason to cancel the rest of this year. And we just move into the next season, uh, possibly in October, as scheduled, or possibly later. Um, he's going to be 35. Okay. But so we can all agree. Everyone on the planet can agree that Patrice Bergeron is a good choice if he's willing to be the captain. Tori Krug, assuming he's still around when Zdeno Chara retires, because they still haven't resigned a guy. They still haven't resigned a guy who is, you know, top eight. Or so in scoring for the past uh, several years, um, who Ray Bork considers one of the most one of the best defensemen in the league, and I think he might have seen an NHL player or two in his career. As it's been um, written by other hockey writers, he's best power play quarterback in the NHL. Yeah, uh, so he's he's. Well above average offensively. He's at least average defensively. Takes nothing from no one anytime, anywhere. But doesn't take stupid penalties. I, he had a cup. He had like 
his first year and a half in the league, he played he probably took 10 or 12 really stupid penalties, which isn't bad for a undrafted defenseman learning the NHL after only a couple of months in the AHL. Uh, is He came out of Michigan. Um, it, it's a very yeah, good a hockey Spartan. program. He's a Spartan. Let's not go there. It's a very good hockey program. <laughs> He plays for but the, it's he not as competitive as, say, Hockey East. And he made the jump to the NHL in under a year. Mm-hmm. I met him in the locker room. The guy has presence, focus, poise, and a functional brain. Um, literally any team uh, in the league would slap a letter on him if he walks in uh, in, their, in their room as a free agent. Um, uh, the, who else? I mean, aside, there's those two. I can see Eisman going after him though. Not I can see a lot of teams going after him. Not if that that's to a top agency, conversation, but if he goes to free agency, it. he's going to get calls from just about everywhere. Oh, without but, a doubt. Yes. But back to our story, because we are running towards our a normal time range. Um, He's he's never actually carried he's never actually carried a letter on his chest unless it was, as far as I know, unless it was one of those times where they had like they were moving the A around to different people for different games and and he, he as far as I know he's never carried the alternate captain uh, insignia. But do you in any way worry about him as a, as a leader for the team? No, I didn't say that. I'm just saying he's never carried it. Uh, Zidane Chara hadn't carried it when he walked in the door either. So, no, I, I'm. I don't know if that was. Uh, I don't know how that worked. I mean, he happened to be coming in at a, at a good time that they could name a new captain without upsetting anybody, as far as I could tell. I mean, I guess my first question is. With the amount of time Bergeron's been with the team, he's never had the C, as far as I know. He's always had an A no, on his chest. It was Joe, and then it was, uh, I want to say, was it Garen? Or Does Bergeron want to be captain? Would I don't my know. First After all this time of never having it on his chest, does he not have it because he chooses not to have it? As opposed to I the head coach giving he... it to him feels the need for it he doesn't i mean like he's not and we've talked about this uh, before we started doing the show because at one point uh certain uh certain uh radio stations uh afternoon drive team was talking about stripping char of the sea and putting it on bergeron first there was the there's the question of whether char deserved to have the sea stripped from him the answer was no um, and second, Bergeron and Char are, are kind of a lot alike. They're they're both pretty laid back guys who are going to speak when necessary. Um, but they're not. I cannot imagine either one of them in any circumstance making one of those rah rah speeches every single night with you know the energy of like. 
a five-year-old birthday party. I don't see that coming from the other option in this article either. Uh, that our, that option is? Uh, David Krejci. He's been around no. since the 2011 – he's been around since the Stanley Cup team won. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's always, again, always worn an A on his chest. Uh, one of the game's best second-line centers. Uh, the only reason why he's not a top center here in Boston is because of some guy named Bergeron. Who? I don't know. He's a pretty good player. He keeps winning this this award for silk or something like that. Um, I didn't. I don't think I've ever seen him wear silk, but whatever. Bergeron. He's he's what it, it's like the silk award. I don't know. It, it, it has something to do with fabric. Or, I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, another guy I would consider, but I know that ninety eight and a half percent of the media would just say no. All right, you can't give it to Connor Clifton. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he was my – he's actually number four on the list of no. alternates, not the article. Oh, wait. No, you can't give it to the Hall of Famer either. Sorry. That's um, against the rules. I might have missed him on my list. I I apologize. Uh, Brad Marchand. He made now, himself now, an are NHL you, player. Wait, wait, wait. Are you naming him captain just because it's clearly going to upset like the other 30 teams in the NHL? Not just – because it's going to upset the other thirty teams. Is that like is that like naming? That's Brendan, just an ancillary benefit. I mean, is that just like naming? Uh, I don't know, Brendan Gallagher, captain of Montreal Canadiens. Oh, even more so. It, 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 honestly, <laughs> hey, as much as I like Brendan Gallagher, at at the time it happened, uh, Brad Marchand set a playoff record for goals by a rookie. Yeah. Um, he, I don't. I'm not having an issue with it. I just think it's hilarious that we're going to name a guy who's known as a pest around the league and and he's the guy that you clearly would want on your team but everybody hates him because he's not on their team on their team gallagher is sort of in that same vein oh you could name andrew shaw captain of the uh chicago blackhawks in that for that matter we could start a whole trend (laughs) hey it was once a trend to name your guy uh captain you know seven (laughs) minutes after you draft him um Wait, no, they did that once. Uh, oh, Multiple wait. times. That was – oh, yeah, no, it's been – yeah, that's true. Um, Edmonton, I believe, is one place. Uh, I think Pittsburgh started the trend. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, no, not a good idea, I don't think. Anyway, I can um, see Brad Marchand as a captain. My thing is a captain doesn't have to be just a guy in the locker. Captain has to be a guy who leads by example. That's why you get a guy like Chara. Uh the 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 amount of time he spends uh, taking care of himself, the effort he puts in in practice. Same thing with Bergeron. Uh, I'm assuming that Krug has those kind of chops as well, and I think oh, that Marchand has those kind of chops. Yes, I can certainly see it. You need to a captain has to lead on off the ice in the locker room uh, by example, uh, and that's why I have an issue with naming. Uh, a 17 or 18 year old who you just drafted five minutes ago and saying they're the new captain of the team. If you're the most talented player and the hardest working, fine. I I'm okay with you being captain, but look how many captains did Edmonton go through when they were drafting a new number one every two years and get going nowhere. Uh, Three. Exactly. 
And so I, Teams to I think he's a couple of years away from it. But I think that there's two young guys who you could make a legitimate claim, you know, once one or two of the guys currently wearing letters um, moves on, um, getting okay. at least a, an A. Um, and that's, you know, Grizzlick and uh, the big guy. I could see Grizzly wearing an alternate captain the letter, sure. Brandon Carlo. Yeah. Definitely Brandon. Somehow I skipped Mr. John Moore and apologies. Uh, deepest, didn't I, deepest didn't I try to get rid of him last week? Wait a minute. Did I <laughs> Oh, wait. Yes, I did. Buy him out. <laughs> um, but I, I would desperately it's, – it's all going to come down to when Chara moves on because I can't see them – They're not going to str- – there's no reason to. I think the only thing they no, might that's do going now. Okay. The There's only no thing reason. they might do is have him share the C in his last season with someone. Particularly if it's not Bergeron, Krejci, or Krug. Okay. So um, how do you pull that off? Because you can't have two C's. You can only have one C. Yes, you, can you, can. Have two A's. you can have two C's, but you get less alternates or it's no alternates. I forget how it's done. Really? Yes. I've never seen it, so it's done. Okay. It's been done a couple of times, just not recently. Okay. Um, like I want to say, going way back, it, uh, Park and Bork were co- were co captains or something like that. Well, it's Brad. Uh, Park. The last I mean, year, guys in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Percy. Yeah. But if you're thinking of sharing it with, I don't know, to Charlie. Tuka. I don't know. Goaltenders can be captains. They cannot wear letters on their jersey, which is silly. But given that goaltenders tend to be slightly odd, anyways. <laughs> Fair enough. Because at one point they named Robert Roberto Luongo captain up in uh, Vancouver before that team completely melted down. I don't and, think they can. Um. But yeah, any any of those guys would make a good captain. Um, but it's not happening until Char- they're they're not stripping him. If you're I gonna have co if you're gonna have co captains, fine, do it in the last year. You know he's not coming back the following season. Uh, but other than I that, see, I if he absolutely says this is my last year at the beginning of the year, I would do it. And, but if he, I don't know that he's going to know at the start of a year, whether he's able to do it, able to walk away. I think you're not, I think his announcement when it happens. And, and unfortunately I say when, because father time wins everything Uh, when it happens, it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to be at the end of a season. He's not going to be announcing and saying, this is my last season upcoming. I don't see him as the type of guy who's going to go into each stadium looking for, you know, He's not going video on tributes and all of that stuff. He's going to try and avoid it. His announcement's going to come after the season's done. Yeah. Like, four guys on the team will know. Uh, he'll stick around in the locker room 
cleanup day and say goodbye to every teammate. And then, you know, he'll post something on Instagram and off to whatever his next adventure is. And does um, he stick around with the t- I mean, does he stick around with the team as some kind of a coach or, or advisor or take a year or two off? I mean, I suspect he will take a year or two off and go do something um, with his family. Maybe he goes and coaches his kids junior team or. Yeah, um, that's what I see, too. I don't see him. I don't see him coming straight back into the into hockey. Maybe he or maybe he takes like a light role as a European scout uh, for, you know, two or three years somewhat um, helping out in that way. Uh, But I I can't see I can't see someone who's just retired for after as long an NHL career as his, who's been, quite frankly, paid well enough that he can take a couple of years off or, you know, the rest of his life. (laughs) Absolutely. And absolutely jumping right back in because. At some point, when he when he realizes that he can't play anymore, it's going to hurt to watch hockey for a while. Um, yeah, what, I can see that. What's next? Um, God, I don't know. What do we have left? Uh, do we? I mean, do we want to really delve into Rick Nash? I mean, when I okay, that when I a long conversation. What the Rick Nash? Yeah. Is it really? I said, is it actually? I, I don't know. Think it is. I don't think it. I mean, Larry Brooks put the article out there, uh, literally like the 19th. twelve days ago, uh, almost two weeks ago now. Uh, maybe it is even two weeks ago. Yes. And it was it was he was doing a, a mailbag and somebody wrote in asking if he had a theory or an explanation for Rick Nash's disappearance during the 2014 Cup run when he was with the Rangers. Uh, says, I know he did not a lot of other things well, but he barely scored. Was he hurt and not telling anyone? So Rick Nash, so Larry Brooks started breaking it down. The winger led the playoffs with 83 shots on net, but only scored three goals which established he's the only forward in Stanley Cup playoff history with as many as 80 shots in a postseason with a shooting percentage of under four. The problem is that if it was just in this one year, I would say, okay, it's an anomaly, whatever. But he's never been a playoff performer. And it says, and he Larry continues to go on, Nash is the only forward with 80-plus shots with a playoff shooting percentage of under 57 the following year, he again led the tournament with 69 shots while scoring five goals, doubling his shooting percent, doubling to 7.2. Still horrible. <laughs> and as much as I don't want to really come down on the guy because I, I know he retired due to uh, due to concussion uh, symptoms and, 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 and nobody wants to uh, – Nobody wants to suffer through that. I mean, go ask Mark Savard. He'll tell you it, it, the the things that you deal with, the the, the auditory and visual issues and and and, and, and you know photos. the lingering pain, the balance issues. Yeah. Uh, vision vision changes. Yeah. There's un- there's a lot. But unfortunately, 
when it comes to Rick Nash, his his playoffs, his playoff performance throughout, I mean, his, career. His, throughout his career is just atrocious. There's never been a good playoffs, as far as I can tell, looking at his numbers. There's never been a playoff run where his postseason numbers were equal to or better than his regular season numbers. And for me, that is the threshold for a good or better NHL player. Can you elevate when you know who you're going to go against and um, and can uh, and can game plan it? You, your coach, your line mates. The answer uh, in the case of Mr. Nash, no. He could not. Period. I just thought I, when I put it up there, I just thought it was an interesting question because we I'm, we already know what how he performed in Boston in the playoffs, which was not well. Uh, but somebody who wanted to dive back six years and ask about the cup run for the Rangers, it, it's not a surprise. What happened then is not a surprise to us because. It's never been – if it were an anomaly, it would be one thing, but it's not. And for as good as he was in the regular season, numbers-wise – And he was good. There, there, You can't take that away from him I'm not. Uh, any more than you can ignore how <clears throat> ungood he was uh, in the postseason. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. You have to take both. Uh, you can't discount one because of the other or whatever – he was not good. I'm not going to say he was, he was not good he was in the terrible. playoffs. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So uh, the whole 2014 uh, thing is out the window, but yeah, I know. Um, one more story that, uh, I just, uh, wanted to touch on, um, yep. the Rangers who are basically a playoff team by virtue of, the shutdown uh, might be coming back without uh, one of their young players. He hasn't made a huge, huge impact, but uh, Anthony J. Colusi for the New York post reports that uh, Capo Caco, uh, who has type one diabetes uh, and celiac disease um, might, he might not, uh, he might not make it back because of the additional risk to him. Um, and I, if the, if, if the Rangers at all hold it against him, then Rangers ownership needs a slap upside the head. Um, I mean, apparently he's been working out, uh, and the, I mean, the additional risks for someone, uh, with disorders like those um, are pretty are pretty high, um, given his age and his uh, general level of fitness. I, I would expect it to be somewhat <laughs> mitigated, but it's it's something that, at least in my opinion, he should be permitted to decide on his own. Um, this is not because this is only an this is only in potential. It's not, you know, going back on the ice before you've recovered from a concussion. 
at this point he is not suffering from an ill uh, uh, an an unusual or new illness. And my argument is he's he's not having the the strongest rookie season that we've seen by any rookies. No, I mean, I mean, from a number one or number two pick. Um, to be quite honest, uh, I'm throwing that out the window. But if you're gonna force him to come back because he's not actively no, no, sick, no. isn't that they're they're. I think it's the other way around. They're trying to decide for him. I think they need to let him decide if he can't, if he does not feel comfortable coming back uh, and it's going to affect him mentally on the ice. If he's out there and he's thinking, Oh my God, something's going to, if his focus isn't on the game, what good is he to the team? I'd rather have him stay away from the team if he feels more comfortable doing what he's doing right now. I need him I need him to be mentally ready for you know, he's got a long career. Yeah, Fine. but you mentally ready for next year then. If you're going no no no, if you're going to say, "Yeah, we don't want you to play um for whatever reason, you're basically saying we don't value you." That's what you're saying. But I think they are. I think they would us. be valuing no, him. You're say, no, you're, you're saying going into the playoffs, you can't help us. This is this would be no different than benching him uh, and never putting him on the ice for a shift uh, and just letting him walk around on a, in a jersey. I who's thinking this? You or, from or Capo Caco? This is more John Davidson. Um, from the article, uh, Rangers president, uh, John Davidson says he promises to listen to science when it comes to the safety of his players amid the NHL's plans to reopen training facilities, um, with Capo Caco, who has type one diabetes and celiac disease on the roster. David said there have been extension discuss extensive discussions internally regarding how best to handle the rookies medical conditions. He's already signed up to play a dangerous game. He's an adult. Yes, he's younger than probably all the people who are talking about it internally. Right, but I'm not no. getting the gist of this article. I'm trying to figure out, is Davidson saying that Kaka wants to play and they don't want him to? What hockey he, player doesn't want to play? This is all over the place. And yes, I understand what that. What hockey player doesn't want I to play? play? You want to be on the ice. I don't care if your foot is hanging off. Uh, go ask um, Gregory Campbell. The guy played what was it half a minute of of penalty kill on a broken leg. Seriously, what yeah. guy wouldn't doesn't want to be on the ice? I get that. So is Davidson saying because Davidson's not Davidson, actually Davidson saying Davidson is effectively saying that they are thinking of barring uh, Capo Caco from playing. Um, because of medical conditions that he can't control. Arguably, if he does that, if they, if the team decides to do that, Capo Caco under the uh, ADA would have a very strong beef um, and 
arguably, although it would take forever, the ability to uh, resist on those grounds. Because if he's not actually sick and there's no one else in the building who's contagious or which they're supposed to resolve by testing everyone every day, the, the, the additional risk between a small, tightly controlled group of people who are tested frequently and isolated otherwise, and uh, is it that much? Is it really that much? I'm just trying. I, I... It doesn't the, explicitly the... say it, but if they're having extensive, extensive discussions on the topic, someone wants to say it. Multiple if, he hypo- if he hypothetically cannot play, he can't play. We're going to take care of him. He's a big part of us. If he can play, he's going to play. And I'm sure he's going to want to play. Duh, he's a hockey player. But we listen to the science. We listen to the medical people. They're going to tell us what to do. Um, he's, it's all over the place. I, I can't. I, I'm getting the gist that are they – Davidson doesn't want to take responsibility. That's what it comes down to. He doesn't want to take responsibility yeah, for saying no. Clearly, he's clearly riding the fence on this one. He's. Um, Are you I, trying to tell me you don't want him to play because he hasn't performed well, so maybe you want to give the roster spot to somebody else? That, that appears to be what he's saying. I, I would love – clarification on the issue what is what is that line they use in in two guns i don't know if you're saying it i'm hearing it if you're saying it i'm hearing it if you're hearing it i'm saying it whatever i'm i'm certainly hearing something that sounds uh sounds a lot like we don't uh like why bother uh i yeah this is all right look Come out and say something different. Uh, come out and say that, uh, yes, he has uh, – he's, come, he's out, come out and say Ill. something. We're, we're thinking of holding him back because there is elevated potential for for bad circumstances should he contract a disease in a highly controlled situation. Yeah. This is just a whole and, lot of back and, and forth. It, it, yeah, the article is the article is potentially a nothing burger. But the first two paragraphs say a whole lot. In fact, they may say more than the rest of the article put together. Sorry. Capocago uh, has type 1 diabetes and celiac on the roster. Davidson said there has been extensive discussions internally. So that that's not including the player. That sounds like it's not including the player. Right. I, I had to reread that to make sure I was understanding it correctly. Internally, how to best to handle the rookie's medical conditions. Here's a thought. Ask the player. Ask the player. <laughs> and ask the player to have a conversation from. with his doctor and maybe his agent and or, you know, inner circle. He's, He's again a, a grown-up. Leave it to him. How comfortable are you playing with the current uh, illness that you have, or what? You know, ask the player. Completely aside from this, um, I don't know where it was disclosed 
um, that the, that uh, Capo has those disorders. Um, if it was something he's disco- disclosed openly in the past, uh, if it is, whatever. Uh, if it's not, not a big fan of the ethics of, print, of pointing it out. What, that he has it, it medical issues? Yes. Uh, I would hope that somewhere along the line he had openly discussed them. I mean, he's not the only player in the NHL that has a, 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 diabetes. a diabetic. No. Uh, Ryan Spooner had a pump. Oh, hell, going were. back, Nick Boynton. So did, uh, was, so did Jared uh, Knight. Uh, yeah, going back, Nick Boynton played years, and he was insulin dependent. Yeah. Um, so it's not a but huge still, deal, but it still needs to be Kako's decision to release that information. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I think we've – well, there's still a couple of things we could discuss. We're oh, pretty high up uh, for minutes uh, run right now. Um, so next week we'll be talking a little bit about uh, prospects. Yay. And I've, done, I've done some research. And a little bit more about everything else. I have to be honest, though. I only looked at North American players. <gasps> I realize I realize there are players in Europe, but I don't have as much. Um, I can't get as much information on them as I can with the North American guy. So, <laughs> um, one last thing uh, to discuss, or actually not even discuss. Um, we're not going to discuss. Well, we're not going to discuss it. I'm simply going to read a tweet. Okay. Um, I think it's an important tweet to read, and I'm glad it was said. Um, if it's the tweet I think you're saying, yeah, it needs to be read, even if we don't discuss the whole situation. Um, so this uh, this tweet is from uh, – Say his name. Uh, Blake Wheeler. There you go. Um, former uh, Minnesota-born – uh, former Boston Bruin spent time with the Atlanta Thrashers before they moved north. Completely missed um, Boston, by the way. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, but here's the here's what he said. I wanted to say something for a while, but it's been really difficult knowing what to say. My hometown is burning. Businesses where I grew up are being boarded up. America is not okay. Growing up outside of Minneapolis, I always felt sheltered from racism. That's because I was. Most people grew up with most people I grew up with looked like me. I never had to be scared when I stopped at a traffic light or saw the police in public. My kids will never know that fear either. I'm heartbroken that we still treat people this way. We need to stand with the black community and fundamentally change how the leadership in this country has dealt with racism. I'm sorry it has taken this long, but I'm hopeful that we can change this now in capitals. Um, George Floyd's life mattered. Ahmad Aubrey's life mattered. Uh, so did every other life that has been lost by this senseless violence and racism. Um, he posted this to his, his Twitter account uh, yesterday, 8.37 p.m. Um, you should drop by. And I personally already sent a thank you. And that's where we're going to leave the show. Needed to be said. Uh, I've heard other sports figures. 
Yeah, Vander Kane has also come yeah. out and said something which uh, isn't necessarily surprising for a number of reasons. Um, it's a Vander Kane. It's not surprising <laughs> at all. Uh, and the more I see of Evander Kane, uh, the more convinced I am that there is a really sharp mind to go with that great athlete. You didn't uh, see that to begin with? It was harder to see uh, in the past. Yeah, and, it, it, it has been more over the last couple of seasons that he's uh, – the sharp mind has been – Displayed. More prep, more displayed, more prevalent. Yeah, I will agree with that. Uh, it, as far as this, like you said, not going to discuss it. But thank you to Blake Wheeler for saying this. And yeah, I think we need to get our heads out of our ass. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Um, as always, um, you get out there. Uh, I won't say 100% that you get out of the world what you put into it, but think about what you put into it. Take care.